2: Time now for the Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.
0: Yes, yes, welcome in to Tim and Boy on 101 ESPN. Love it. I think that's going to take. Uh, my name is Timothy Michael McKernan standing across from me wearing his best fans in baseball hooded sweatshirt, which can be found on TMSTLshop.com, Action Jackson. That's a sharp look, Jack. Telling me. You know what? You're rocking a sharp uh, hoodie as well. I am. Well, I'm uh, GQ smooth. I've got so much that this is a case where I wish we had a few hours, because I, I could go and I 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 go. So I'm just going to get right into it. Blues Leafs. Joe Buck Podcast. What's up? Joe Buck on the Tim McCurney Show Podcast. You can listen to the whole thing. We've got some clips of it. Juwan Howard got that. Randy Carricker and I were just talking about what he, I know, spent a good amount of time on Carricker and Smallman on, cardinal accessibility. I think it's a great topic. I'm looking forward to talking about that with the audience. I don't even know and what else, what else? I mean, I feel like I'm leaving things out, but I've got all of that, and we're going we're gonna to jam it into Tim and Boy.
1: Yeah, we have the Orenberger apology about... That's right,
0: yeah, so the, uh, the, the Pat, Pat Mahomes uh, allegations. You want to be Patrick or Pat? I feel like one tricked me up and I knew Matthew Stafford wanted to be Matthew.
1: I think he wants to go be Pat. I don't, think he, I don't think he has like a big preference, though.
0: Okay, but Matthew Stafford really wants yes. to be Matthew. Right. Some people are like that. Okay. I, so like we got, Jackson. I don't know how we can possibly get into it all, but I'm going to attempt to do it. And you just cut off my mic when we got to go to a break, because I'm right. just going to get going. It's going to be like uh, the St. Louis Mad Dog Russo show. Uh, Jackson, did you watch the Blues and Leafs? And I'm going to own your soul, so don't lie. No. Okay.
1: No, I did not. I didn't watch. I mean, I saw, I was at a bar. You saw, saw
0: that the t- the game existed.
1: I was like, I saw, I wasn't like hearing the broadcast, but I could see it up on the TV. So All right. I guess I watched it, but not really.
0: No, I think, I think those texting in 65780, and they're already ready on the Air Comfort Service text line, will say that counts as a no, and I will agree with the audience on that. But, um... That was now, whereas you were treated to that debacle that was the Blues and Canadiens on Thursday night. This was a Jim Dandy, so it's a shame that you I didn't watch, watch this one. Final. First off, you have a high-powered offense in Toronto. They let more people in a building in Canada on Saturday night. It's hockey night in Canada, and the th- here's the, here's my biggest takeaway from it. Biggest biggest takeaway because again, I'm always trying to go macro. The fact that. I felt like I knew, and I think I said this on Friday after the Montreal debacle, the Blues have the ability that after they lay an egg, that they respond. And if you're a wagerer, it's a good thing to know. Now, it sucks that you have what happened on Thursday happen, but then you kind of know they're going to come out and play a good game. And that was against a good team, too. And on top of it, it wasn't like, you know, first off, no Tarasenko. And secondly, it's a 3-3 game. And then they just absolutely shipped it. And the sod goal was a thing of beauty. The sod goal is something that if I would have executed it on, like, PS4, I would play – I'd, like (laughs) – screenshot it yeah. and then put it on Instagram like take a look at this pass Pareco to Peron Assad. beautiful and that gives them the go-ahead goal so it was a thrilling game it was a bounce back game it was a response game Ryan O'Reilly talked about that after that they were disappointed in the way they performed even though they got the point everybody would agree that that wasn't what they wanted to do against Montreal and they responded against a very good team so Jackson from that standpoint you would have been rewarded had you watched that game, and it's unfortunate you, the first ever hockey game you watched, which <laughs> was this past Thursday night against Montreal, was as bad as it was. That,
1: that is not true. It's not the first hockey game I've ever watched. But it's
0: the it, second. And it was the it's... first
1: one I've watched this season. Oh, God. But I'll watch again.
0: From the 317, you suck, Jackson.
1: Yeah. Where's that?
0: 317. Uh, Let's see. Uh, Yeah, where is the 317? I initially was about to say 314, and then I'm like, oh, 317. Um, You can uh, text in 65780. Indy. Indianapolis. We're very Tim and Boy is big and there's Tim and Boy billboards in Indianapolis. Yeah. Hey, if you guys listen to Tim and Boy in St. Louis, a lot of Colts talk and Pacers talk. Uh, what do you think about the Caris LeVert trade? Your thoughts. 65780. So, uh, the Blues get the win uh, off tonight Philadelphia tomorrow and then back on home for a Friday night affair against LA Saber. Former Blue Tage Thompson with the uh, hat trick against the Avalanche. So they're in town on Friday night. And, of course, the game against the Flyers you can catch right here on 101 ESPN pregame at 5 p.m. Blues and Flyers, and then they head back home to uh, take on the Sabres with a rare Friday night festivity. All right. In addition to that, Jackson, uh, Joe Buck on the Tim McKernan Show podcast People uh, who have been loyal listeners of both TMA and my podcast say, hey, I'd like you to get guests back on. I said, I can't wait to get guests back on. So we uh, started the process with Joe Buck. And uh, one of the topics, as you can imagine, now we got into a bunch. This is about as much sports as we got into on the podcast, which you're going to hear on Balloon Party. Um, And that is uh, the work stoppage in baseball. But the change in the game, the change in the game. Uh, Joe called his first World Series in 1996. And I don't know how everybody listening to the show feels, but from my standpoint, the game has changed significantly in 25 years, and I was curious what he thought about. So here's what Joe Buck had to say on the work stoppage and also on the state of the game. You can listen to the entire interview on the Tim McKernan Show podcast, which is available on the TMA STL app or on iTunes, Spotify, wherever it is you may podcast. Jackson, go ahead and play, sir. All right, I want to ask you a couple of things um, that I I know that you get asked a lot, but I but I was hoping you could maybe give me just take take the guard down something new. Yeah, like like when you said about uh, when you were online when we went through when we went through the club championship thing um, with regards to baseball. Now you know as we or as we were talking there in a work stoppage, I'm curious on this because I'm sure you go people ask you when's it going to be over? Is if you have any clue or uh, you know any any preference one way or the other i'm sure sooner rather than later but from your perspective how has the game changed since you called your first world series in 96 versus now because for me personally and i know you can't say this but it seems like it's it's changed to the sense that i'm not as into it as i was and i'm sure that comes with age but i also feel the game has changed totally world series what do you what do you see there and what can they do to perhaps re-engage
3: well here's the funny thing and and this is a new phenomenon that i I think john smoltz and i really have found out i don't want to say the hard way because i don't on many levels i don't really care because i've done it long enough and i've done 24 world series and next year will be my 25th and and that's the way that math works out uh and i'm just like hey i i'm i'm allowed to have an opinion too and and i baseball is well aware that something has to change with once the inning starts like they forever they've been worried about time of game we got the time of game from three hours and six minutes down to three hours and two minutes on average who cares that's not the issue that's uh, nfl games are three hours nobody complains that the game's too long that's not the problem the problem is and the players know this the owners really know this is the lack of action and and it's become so analytically driven it just shows in some ways how smart analytics are because they have ways of putting nine guys out there to give that defense the best chance to make plays on baseballs except for the ones that fly over the wall and so consequently you know with the shifts and everything else that had happened uh there's a lot less action and you know you're asking me this at a great time because last night I hosted an event for Ozzy yep. uh, downtown where you see the 1982 team come to life. He had the infield there with him. Whitey was there at the age of 90 and uh, Keith Hernandez was there via satellite. He just had hip surgery and it killed him to not be there, but there's Ozzy and Tommy Her and Kenny Oberkfell and and Keith Hernandez, Jim Cott came in. Yeah, He's was going Jim into Bowser. the Hall of Fame. And just to research for 10 minutes before I went out there, actually it was 26 minutes and 39 seconds, however long the 1982 uh, year-end film was. You start looking at, at what baseball was in the early 80s, and it's an entirely different game. The Cardinals were a thrilling team, and they yeah. hit 67 home runs as a team that year. Tommy Herr in 1985 drove in 110 runs and hit eight home runs. He's the last National Leaguer to knock in over 100 runs with less than 10 home runs. And that's because they got guys on base. They moved them over. They got runs driven in without benefit of a hit, without waiting for the long ball. What I started to say earlier was, for some reason now, if John Smoltz or I say anything like, this game needs to look at the lack of action and and you know analytics are great. I mean even Whitey was talking about analytics are great, but that can't be the only thing you look at to make a lineup or to make in-game decisions. And and then all of a sudden we're the get off my lawn guys and and you hate the game. It's actually the op the opposite. I love the game of baseball. I just don't know that this version of it is really what anybody hoped it would be uh after after all the analytics got piled into this game now home runs are great i love calling them i love watching them fans love seeing them but there's not 10 home runs a game it's it's you know a couple and and then otherwise it's a lot of standing around so i i everybody knows that the pace needs to be picked up that you know the ability to hit the ball the other way has got to come back into the game the stolen base is gone um, th- there are little subtle things that always added up to make baseball great that have been kind of phased out because of the way it's played now. And, uh, you know, Whitey talked about it with me last night. He's still so sharp and so in love with the game. He said what I've always said, call strikes. That That's the only way to speed this thing up. And, and you know, you start looking at that 1982 uh, highlight reel, And Daryl Porter's receiving pitches that are clearly outside that strike three and nobody's standing around arguing about it. You just move on. Like, so calling strikes, I I think they may have to ban the shift, which I I was never, you know, like these guys can't figure out how to hit the ball the other way, but I guess they can't. So, you know, go back if you can and, and get some action going on the bases. That's what makes baseball the greatest game on earth.
0: So do you think that anything will come out of the work stoppage with regard to on-field play that could help the game? Is that one of the things you think could come out of it, the banning of the shift? Or do you think they're just going to try to settle economics and then just get through this?
3: I, I think the economics are such a big part of it that this other stuff probably gets lost in the wash. But yep. you know this as well as I do. The commissioner's had the ability over the last couple of years to institute some things, and he didn't do it, like pitch clock and and banning shifts. I know they want to make bigger bases. Um, which I guess is something that they can agree to on. Uh, But for the most part, you know, the universal DH, that'll be in there. But But it's more economics and when can a young player earn more money in arbitration and when is a player free to be a free agent? And, those those two pieces are so far apart at the, at the moment, you know, the, the actual on-field product and, and what they could change to to expedite the action or ramp up the action. I I, I hope it gets talked about, but I, I don't know that it will.
0: There is a portion of my conversation with Joe Buck. You can listen to the entirety of it on the Tim McKernan Show podcast, talking about a wide variety of topics. But there are Joe's thoughts on the work stoppage and specifically... The shift this morning on The Athletic, Jason Stark wrote an in-depth piece on the shift. And I was surprised when Joe and I were talking, and we talked on Friday afternoon, about the idea of banning the shift. Uh, Truthfully, it's the first time I had heard somebody of Joe's stature talk about the legit possibility of banning the shift. Stark goes into it, and the numbers that he presents in this article are are stunning. I will have those for you on the other side of the break. In addition to that coming up, uh, Patrick Mahomes Uh, was reported to have scolded his fiancé and his brother about their sideline and social media antics, except the report was false. You will hear the apology from the person who made the report, and we will go further into the ramifications of said allegations coming up, plus a what would your grandma think for the ages from a player the Blues just went up against on Saturday night. That's all coming your way here on 101 ESPN.
2: right back to the balloon party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101
0: ESPN. Welcome back to 101 ESPN. Tim McKernan with you. Action Jackson on the ones and twos. He did not watch the Blues. Will he watch tomorrow night? Yes? No.
1: Yeah, I'll watch the game. Got high pitch, so
0: I'm going to come over the top. I have eight high, eight three off, and I'm still coming over the top.
1: No, so I'll, I'll just deal with it. I will watch it. I yeah. will watch it. I like watching the Flyers. They got great uniforms. Big fan you of you can uniforms.
0: text in on Jackson's wanting of watching the Blues game because of the Flyers uniform six five seven eight zero. We are fresh off of playing a clip of my podcast interview with Joe Buck. You can listen to that, the Tim McKernan Show, uh, in its entirety, just debuted this morning. And if you are just joining us, he talked about. Uh, the state of the game, specifically how it's changed since he called his first World Series, which was in 1996, the Braves and the Yankees. The Cardinals led the Braves 3-1 before they went on to come back and outscore them about 71-2 to in the final three games of that series. And then they had a lead on the Yankees and then the, uh, the famous home run. You know who hit that home run, Jackson? You were... You were not even alive, but let's see if you know some random, obscure baseball history from the 1996 World Series, a famous home run that turned the World Series. For the Yankees? That's right. Aaron th- Boone? Ooh. I, boy, you got excited, and I'm like, oh my goodness, he's going to have it. And then you went Aaron Booning. Aaron Booning was a 2003 ALCS. Okay. Yeah. So I can get it. I follow the process there. That's this the only Gi-
1: famous Yankees home run I can think of right now.
0: Well, they haven't had much success. <laughs> Not much at all. Jim Leritz, Mark Woolers.
1: I would have never in a hundred years. I know. I that's why heard. when I
0: saw your eyes light up and you move toward the microphone, it's like, oh, wow. Jackson's yeah. going to earn some credibility with his audience. He continues to alienate by talking about the Flyers uniforms every segment of Tim and Boy. <laughs> Jim Layward. So he started calling World Series in 1996, and now uh, he'll be calling his 25th coming up this October and how the game changed. And in, in addition to talking about the economic element of the work stoppage, talked about the potential banning of the shift. Have you heard any discussion of this up until Joe said that when we were when we had him on the podcast? You were... You were producing it. I was conducting yeah. the interview, so you heard him say that. I had, I honestly hadn't heard somebody of his stature, anyway. Yeah, I mean,
1: I've heard it, say it. kicked around, but I've never heard it, like someone serious like Joe or anyone. And it sounds involved. like he thinks it might happen too. Yeah, I'd be. I'm not a fan of that personally, but I, uh, I've heard it kicked around, but nobody with Joe's stature, I've heard say that.
0: So Jason Stark of the Athletic writes. I mean, detail, 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 and and listen, I'll be honest with everybody here. Uh, If you said, hey, Tim, Jason Stark has written 5,000 words on the shift, I would say, ah, I think I'm going to pass on that (laughs) uh, option for today. Uh, But uh, having read, uh, and I haven't read all of it yet, uh, but uh, having read a good portion of it, I got to tell you, the data is fascinating, especially it ties into what we just played and what is going on this week in Jupiter, Florida, and that is not the Cardinals working out, that is baseball, both the owners and the players meeting through their various mediators to try to come to a solution on the work stoppage and whether or not they will tend to the on-field activity in addition to the economic issues plaguing the game. And so Stark lays out a few data points that I think even if you were like, I don't care, you will be at least uh, enamored in some capacity by because the data is overwhelming. Is it true teams now shift on every pitch? Uh, He says they do not. But if it seems like it, there's a good reason that it seems like they do. In the big leagues, there were nearly nine times as many shifts last season as there were in 2013. Uh, Jackson, in 2013... Uh, infields defended on the sh- with the shift six thousand eight hundred eighty-two times. In 2021, they shifted fifty-nine thousand sixty-two times. Oh my God! That uh, means more than fifty-one percent of all balls put in play last year were hit into a shift. That's just the balls put in play. Uh, Do shifts actually work? Uh, And Bill James wrote in the Bill James Handbook, poor Jason Stark on The Athletic, 22% more hits were taken away by the shift than given away by the shift last season. The league-wide batting average dropped by four points last year based solely on hits turned into outs by the shift. 4,802 hits were taken away by balls hit into the shift in 2021. That far outweighed the 3,946 outs given away by what James described as defenses that shifted and got too clever for their own. Good. Uh, Joey Gallo said the following, I think most hitters are pretty adamant on the shift that they have to do something with it. I don't really see many hitters going, the shift's pretty awesome, man. They need to keep that. I think people understand that hitting is hard enough, but when you have guys standing in different positions where it makes it almost impossible to get hits, that it makes it even harder, obviously. That's Joey Gallo talking about the shift. Our front office is fighting to save this shift. Uh, Stark talks to a couple of club officials uh, anonymously. Quote, let me put on a different hat and say I think we all have a responsibility to look out for the best interest of the game. Anything that they believe increases the entertainment value of the sport deserves our consideration. And another another club official says, my position is always tell me what the rules are and we'll play by the rules. The NFL and NBA change the rules all the time. Why shouldn't baseball be able to do that if it makes our game a better product. So with regards to that, the conversation arrives at what would you like? What would you as a fan like? And what perhaps if it differentiates, do you think is in the best interest of the game? Perhaps you think, well, I think they should be able to keep the shift. But, you know, now that you present that data and it started in 2013, and you see how it's gone from about 6,000 to 59,000 in 2021, as far as number of shifts, maybe that has played a role in feeling like the game has gotten slower, even though it hasn't really gotten all that much slower. And as Joe pointed out, and I don't know if it was in that portion of the podcast, Jackson, or at a different point in the interview, uh, yeah, they reduced the game time from three hours and six minutes to three hours and two minutes. Right. But it still feels feels like it's moving at a glacial pace. And college football games are going three and a half hours, and NFL games go three-plus hours, but you don't really hear people complaining about the length of those games. Why? Because they're entertained. That means that's the core issue. You can try to fix four minutes off the time of the game, but if it's boring, it's boring. It can be an hour's worth of boredom or four hours' worth of boredom. It doesn't matter. Now, do I think the shift is the reason for it? (sighs) I don't. I, I honestly didn't even cross my mind in a serious standpoint until Joe brought brought it up, and then I was reading Stark's data points in the Athletic. I love the stolen base, and mm-hmm. Joe, in talking about the 1982 reunion he hosted with Ozzie Smith and Ken Oberkfell and Keith Hernandez and Jim Cott and Tommy Hur that's what I loved. I'd like to see that brought back in because that's movement. That's some athleticism. That's excitement. That's the issue. That's the thing that I that, that made me a baseball addict growing up, but they changed rules, they changed parks to make it uh, negative EV, for lack of a better term, to risk an out and lose a base runner on the base paths, and so the stolen base has essentially died. With regards to the shift specifically, you are against them getting rid of the shift? You are against them outlawing the shift? I just want to make sure I understand your position.
1: I am, but that data is very interesting, because you say, what, 4,000 hits were taken away due to the shift? That's a lot of time where the ball would be live, and that's what action is. The action comes when the ball is live. If you have 4,000 hits being taken away, that's a considerable amount of minutes that the ball is not in play. Therefore, what people, I believe, would attribute to the reason baseball is viewed as boring is that the ball is often not in play. So that is an interesting point, but I think I'm still against being the shift.
0: You see, my thesis has been, and it's not that I know it, hence thesis, has been that We are now programmed, and programmed makes it sound like it's active. So subconsciously manipulated by the technology of the day with take your pick of Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, uh, whatever. That you can go online or go on an app and immediately get exactly what you want, your dopamine rush, and to sit through the rest of it is a ponderous exercise. And baseball has more of the quote-unquote rest of it than any of the other sports. Baseball essentially is the rest of it. But that's what I love. I love sitting with somebody, having a drink, and BSing, and then you have some action. Yeah. So why is it that over the last X amount of years, I have felt like that is a ponderous activity? I don't know. Perhaps that's because the excitement has now become less and less, and the ponderous activity has gone on more and more. But that's been my thesis. The shift data is interesting. Joe Buck, bringing it up on the podcast and the audio you heard earlier here on 101 ESPN, adds to it. Freddie Freeman's quoted in Stark's article saying, that Rover in right field, it's very rare that I hit one into that shift. It's just the one up the middle is the one that gets me. I'm like, you've been taught your whole life to hit a line drive up the middle, and now you're out. So maybe if they eliminate that, and they keep the shortstop on the left side of the bag, I might get some more hits. Uh, Max Muncy says, the guy that's all the way in the hole in the outfield, I don't get as mad about that one. It's when the shortstop's right up the middle. That's the one that gets me the most. If I roll a ball over into the four hole and it gets caught, fine. Bad swing. I don't deserve that hit. But when I smoke one that the pitcher's jumping out of the way of and the shortstop's just sitting there, that's the one that gets me. And so as they present that, I do think of that. Yeah, that is a good point. Like, I'm like, man, he ripped that ball. It's a base hit. And I'm like, oh, you know.
1: There's there is whomever right there.
0: I'm right. I mean, going. That sucks. Right. I mean, listen. I know. I don't know if I could give a name in St. Louis sports over the last five years that would have less equity minus Cronky than Matt Carpenter. But the shift ended Matt Carpenter absolutely. And m- most of us. I don't say most of us. I will speak for myself. I said, man, I would just like to see him work on hitting the ball the other way. You know, or lay down some bunts. And it's just not necessarily as easy as we sit here and make it sound like that. You can just automatically just learn to do that. It's not like Carpenter's the only guy who didn't figure out how to start hitting the ball the opposite way. These guys are firing it now in the mid 90s. And of course, there's sick movement on it. So it's not like, oh, just let me just flare it over like I'm Tony Gwynn or Wade Boggs. But overall... I'm curious if this is even in play, and I don't know how much of uh, the Buck interview uh, the audience has had a chance to listen to, but it's his opinion that they have so many economic issues that he thinks, as you may have heard earlier in the show, that the, the baseball on-field issues might just get lost in the shuffle. But that's the issue. You might quote-unquote Tend to the economic issues, but the game's problems are not just economics. And you might have a billion dollar television contract that you can work off of, which I know Randy Carricker spent a good amount of time on Carrick and Smallman talking about this morning and on social media this weekend. But you're not going to renew that or re up it and get an increase if the audience size declines over the term of that deal. So it'll be wonderful in the short term, but when that deal expires, if the audience is declining or if the audience is aging and you aren't finding new, younger customers, you've got a problem on your hands. And so therefore, The game's issues on the field actually do impact the economic elements, and therefore I would like to see them tend to that before they say, okay, we're all ready to go. The problem is, now that we are sitting here, Jackson, on February 21st, and they have set a deadline of February 28th, a week from today, otherwise they're going to miss regular season games, I worry that they're going to rush this thing, just tend to the economics, and then the game that we see will essentially be the exact same thing we saw last year, except with the national. League having a designated hitter. And if anything, I don't think that's a solution, although I recognize some people like it. It doesn't tend to the overall game because it's not like people are loving the American League game. Your thoughts are welcome. 65780. Zero is how you can text in the Air Comfort Service text line. All right, we had a gentleman who was hosting a show, uh, I think in San Diego, I think is where he is. Is that where he is, Ornberger? Uh, And he reported uh, that Patrick Mahomes uh, had sat down his fiance and his brother and said, enough, you're not allowed to come to Chiefs games next year Uh, because of the antics, the social media, it was becoming a distraction, and he was blaming the Bengals' loss on on his brother and his fiancée after a clip of them, uh, you know, if you wanted to read into it, getting in an argument at a Texas Tech basketball game where Mahomes played college uh, football, that, he, that this is now a real story. Problem is, it wasn't a real story. And uh, you will hear from the gentleman who reported and uh, and elaborate with this on a column from the Kansas City Star. I have that next for you coming up here on 101 ESPN. This is Balloon Party on 101 ESPN.
2: We're right back to the balloon party on the Tim McKernan podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.
0: I didn't just hear you lead your Sports Center update with the score of the NBA All Star game.
1: Uh, you'd be mistaken because I did.
0: Six, five, seven, eight, zero. And I notice when Illinois wins. It isn't mentioned. When Illinois loses, it's mentioned. They win in East Lansing yeah. this weekend. Missouri got to play twice since we last did the show. Uh, you know the old twin bill over the weekend <laughs> against Mississippi State. I believe went over two.
1: Uh, yeah, that would be accurate, but that's, that's just pure coincidence. There's, I I'm
0: starting. I'm starting to feel like there might be something going on no, here.
1: I wouldn't read too much into it. I just okay. think it's it's pure coincidence.
0: Yeah, we uh, let off the Sports Center update this morning with the NBA All Star game score. That's what I heard. I mean, I'm I'm almost certain I heard the thing. All right, here, here, this, this this is something that, that gets me going, Jackson. I, a lot of things get me going, I mm-hmm. guess, now that I think about it. But this gets me going. Patrick Mahomes, I appreciate him a great deal. Now there are a lot of Chiefs fans now in the St. Louis area whatever. Not my thing, but God bless to each their own. Some people like some things. Think about this. Some people like other things. Yeah. It's a laissez-faire approach. Live and let live. That's what I say. Mm. Uh, but, uh, you know, for me to, to all of a sudden get into the Kansas City Chiefs would be just as disingenuous as all get-out, and so it's not my thing. And if you went to school at the University of Missouri, you probably have a good idea why. But, digressing. The whole thing with people going going off on his fiance and his Brother, for the way they act, either at games or on social media, you know, it's kind of a whatever thing. Also, but this is where I actually do get a little fired up, and that is saying something that is just factually inaccurate, and that is that he sat down with his fiance and his brother and said, I don't want you coming to games anymore because you're a distraction and played a role in us coming up short of our goals the last couple of years, an AFC championship and a loss in the Super Bowl last year and a loss to the Bengals in the AFC championship game this year. Uh, So a gentleman by the name of Rich Ornberger hosts a radio show, and he got it going last week with that report. That was his report. Mahomes actually went um, public and said, uh, something along the lines of y'all just be making stuff up now. Right. That's what he said. And said that's absolutely false. Here is Ornberger. I guess, would you call this apologizing? E- at least explaining right. how this all came to fruition. Here we go. Go ahead.
4: It's interesting when you're handed a piece of information that you believe with all your heart is true, sounds true, is from a credible source. And beyond that, it's from a source that is expressing the fact that it the story's been vetted. And that it's good for air or for twi- tweet or, you know, uh, shoot, send it in messenger pigeon form, whichever way you want to get the, the information out there. And uh, the problem is, look, we're living in a time now, and I'm not trying to play a victim here because I actually feel contrition for the fact that I, I spreaded a story out there that went viral that wasn't 100% accurate or well vetted. You know, like so. That is my responsibility as the broadcaster to make sure that not only the message is clear and accurate, but based in some some further investigation and due diligence on my part that I failed to accomplish.
0: Oh, that was like going back to the Quinn Snyder press conference days. A lot of words were said. Some <laughs> had multiple syllables, but they didn't necessarily say anything. Right. It's very.
1: It's a, an interesting tactic that you see used.
0: And and wow! Tip of the cap for him feeling contrition. I was going to say, I was like,
1: oh, that's nice of you <laughs> to say.
0: Big of you. Here, Here's, here's my overall, our industry sucks. That's, that's, <laughs> that's my overall thing. And I'm not limiting by any means to sportscasting I'm talking about in general. I feel like media is responsible for a wide variety of problems and the manipulation. But one of the elements that I, listen, if you want to opine and be wrong, then opine and be wrong. But passing off fact as truth and it's because what somebody dm'd him and said this is the story right and then he went with it i just i don't i here's the deal if somebody's going to present a problem now this is also against the sports talk radio playbook so you know like i said (laughs) our industry sucks and i'm you know i might be roman numeral number one as to why it does But if you're going to present a problem, have some semblance of a solution. On this one, I don't know what the solution is. That's what I asked Joe in the podcast about. Okay, well, we agree the game's kind of slowed down. What would you do? And that's how he brought up the shift, which we talked about for the first half of of today's show. I don't know what the solution to this is. But if somebody passes off something, and sports, entertainment, politics, music, media, whatever the case might be, as fact and it's wrong, I really do feel like there needs to be a penalty of some kind. Right. I really do. Now, I don't know how you can actually pragmatically apply that. Yeah. So it's it may sound good, but I don't really know how you can apply it and actually execute it. And, 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 and on this one, relative to other things that have been passed off as truths that aren't, this is minor. However, you hear his... I guess apology and I actually feel contrite. well do you I mean you you were you you made something up right and it was based on somebody sending you a DM and It's like I, I trusted this person and this this then led to a column I read in the Kansas City Star yesterday that I thought was outstanding It was written by Sam McDowell And I read this yesterday morning, and I wanted to bring it to uh, to our show here on 101 ESPN And he said the following, if it were me, I wouldn't have addressed the stories at all. I'd give them the time that kind of quote-unquote journalism deserves. None. But that's easy for me to say as I dive into a 900-word column about it all. Except this column isn't really about Mahomes or his fiancée and his high school sweetheart, Brittany Matthews. It's about the rest of us. After an interaction between the couple at the Texas Tech basketball game, a popular website questioned on Twitter whether Mahomes needed an intervention because of whom he has chosen to spend his life with. This site's tweet included links to stories on Mahomes and Matthews and generated nearly 60,000 likes and 8,000 retweets. An intervention? Who has the addiction here? Later in the week, a reporter broke the news that Mahomes had sidelined both his brother and Matthews from attending Chiefs games, only to retract it all later, long after the move had been applauded by those who don't know any of the three. This isn't a new topic, but rather a favorite talking point of certain publications and social media dunces who are trying to accomplish, well, what exactly? They clamor for Mahomes to pick someone other than the person he began dating as a high school sophomore. It should be a sweet story, really. This is their adventure together, and despite signing a contract that will pay him half a billion dollars, he stayed with the woman who stayed with him. Oh, but hey, they don't like her personality, they'll claim. She's too loud for the preference of those who cannot handle outspoken women. Too brash for some. Most appalling, not attractive enough for others. People have the courage to comment on her physical appearance while tucked behind the safety of an iPhone screen protector. I could find the tweets, dig up the receipts, but many of the best examples are too disgusting to even publish. I could make a Plea for it to stop, but those willing to trash strangers on social media aren't the open minded type. And that's what the whole thing speaks to. This is hashtag engagement, but it's at the cost of accuracy. And so I would imagine, perhaps deep down, this person's bosses are going, well, he was wrong, but got 60,000 likes. Right. Got people talking about him. This week, this weekend, he's in an argument with Bruce Arians over whether the real reason why Tom Brady. Yeah. Somebody can have the most asinine opinion in the world because they may think my opinion's asinine, and I am all for it. Express away. That's the game, man. Like it or not, but that's the game. To me, that's freedom of expression. But you can't just make things up and not have penalty. Right. Now. I don't know what the realistic penalty is for somebody passing along something without vetting it. We were taught at the University of Missouri Journalism School that you always confirm with not one but two sources before you pass it along. That's the way to handle it. And in this case, something that in the whole scheme of things is a minor deal. But for Patrick Mahomes and his fiance and his brother, I'm sure they wouldn't tell you it's a minor deal. This is inaccurate, and it was easily preventable. But it goes on so often. It's just a rare occurrence where you're seeing it in the sports arena and in a team for, for a team that a lot of people in the St. Louis metropolitan area have adopted over the last five years. But it really really irritates me and I think I'm probably in the minority by how much it bothers me but I think it bothers me because I view it as one of the issues that uh, society in general American society in general is experiencing and that is just a, oh well no accountability for just making crap up but did it get engagement did you get your likes did you get your likes that's what it comes down to
1: yeah hundred percent I've thought for a, a longest time it was super weird how would we preach about not being bullies and being nice to people and kindness yet People will just destroy these two people who are just supporting either their fiancé or their brother at a sporting event. I, I never got it. And then he can say something like that about someone's family, Patrick's family. And, th- and that story gets a lot of clicks and engagement, but his apology doesn't.
0: Well, it's because the minds have already been made up. So exactly. either the images or the videos then go into the confirmation bubble that yep. Brittany Matthews, I believe is her name. I'm, d- I'm, I'm detachment. It's their own relationship. I have nothing exactly. to do with it. It's I mean, no, you can no take a business. picture of anybody at any particular moment and then put a, a description under in the caption and go, oh, wow. You right. know, like No Laying Up is a podcast I like to listen to as a golf nerd. And I leave my golf nerd them off this show for the most part. And they show, boy, Tiger looks so better this week than he did this time last year when he was at Riviera. And it's like a screenshot of him last year. And he looks terrible. And then a screenshot of this, year, and he's smiling. Well, the other one, he's frowning. It's it's a strategy. Yeah that publications use. If they are a left-leaning paper, a picture of Barack Obama will be smiling, and but a picture of Donald Trump would be mad as all. You know. yeah. And the other side on a right-leaning publication, Barack Obama looks dour and aged, and Donald Trump is smiling. It's a game, but we're being manipulated, and all I want to do is call attention to it, because this is how the game is being played. We are being programmed. We're being programmed, but there has to be some semblance of accountability for it. Somebody just got something, didn't check it, report it and it has no penalty. And then his apology, I mean, I'm not in the apology judging business, but I don't even know if he really apologized. I actually have some form of contrition. Do you? I mean, wow. How noble. Yeah. Unbelievable. <laughs> it, I just, the, the social media thing is phenomenal. So I would imagine most people who saw that first tweet still think it's true. Exactly. Because the apology gets a tenth, if that, of the initial reaction of the BS story.
1: Yeah, when you put something like that out there, that's going to be that's public the headline, opinion.
0: and that's the thing that forms and yeah. frames public opinion. All right, uh, we'll take a break. So what'd your grandma think? This one's for the ages. I actually had people sending this to me on Instagram all over all over the weekend. Uh, this is a good one. And uh, we just saw the Blues take this gentleman on. It's a good So good. What'd Your Grandma Think. It's coming up next year on Balloon Party 101 ESPN.
2: Back to the balloon party on the Tim McKernan podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Sometimes the media asks bad questions. Not not a good question. Like,
4: Coach, uh, how cool was it that it was a Wisconsin
1: player that uh, sank the winning shot? Well, they're all Wisconsin players. Or,
2: I'm doing a story about New Year's resolutions, and I was just wondering if you had any you wanted to share with your fans and our readers? Yeah, no, not right now. Okay, thanks. And when that happens, players will fire back. What? Bro, what are you talking about, man? Stop asking me stupid questions. Now it's time for...
1: So what's your grandma think?
0: I'm waiting for the time where I get irritated by the open, but I still giggle. Like a, like a cute little Boy Scout is what I look like over here right now. It's Just a little smaller than one. <laughs> uh, Jackson, the Blues beat Austin Matthews on Saturday night. You didn't see a second of it because you were watching Mississippi State game film for the Sunday night tilt. Yeah, getting ready. Uh, uh, here is Austin Matthews following uh, the game against the Penguins the Leafs played on Thursday night, in which, as uh, Panger said, hey, he lost a chiclet. Locked in on Sid there. Yeah, I know. I saw the crossbar, and I just decided, you know, I think it'd be a great idea if I just put my face right through it and see what happens. So, yeah, great question. <laughs> that, that might need to be included in the open whenever we decide to revise it. <laughs> Austin Matthews, question. yeah, <laughs> that is nice. <laughs> These guys have to look at oh, the people rough. asking the questions. <laughs> I'd wonder. What am I doing? Well, I guess I'm making 100000000 million. I'll put up with it. Yeah. All right. Uh, time for us to shut it down. BK and Ferrario are up next. Podcast the show anytime you want. Go back and listen to the entire Joe Buck interview, Tim McKernan Show podcast. And uh, Jackson's wonderful wares are available at tmastlshop.com. Time for us to wrap it up for Action Jackson. I'm Tim McKernan. This has been Balloon Party on 101 ESPN.